0: Thank you for that, Chaz. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's funny, Is like ping pong is like my thing. I, it's like a new thing, but I love ping pong. So if anybody wants to challenge me afterwards, I'm totally open for it. I even got my own custom paddle because I'm that nerdy, okay? Uh, so if you would, let's just pray, and we'll, we'll just jump right into this. So Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the students and the youth, Father, everyone that is here tonight, Father, Whether young or old, this isn't just for the kids, Father. This is for everyone. And so I thank you that you are a generational God. And Father, I thank you that tonight they don't just hear my voice, but they hear your Holy Spirit speaking to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I am Colton. Chaz is my buddy and, uh, he is over the children's church and I'm over the youth. I'm the youth pastor here and I'm excited. Can I hear it from all my youth? There we go. It was silent for about a second. I was like, they had to leave me hanging. But anyway, good job. Okay, the most stressful part, out, okay? So I'm so excited to be here. I spoke uh, in main service about three weeks ago, and I just loved it. And honestly, I just want to thank you guys, uh, all the adults that are in here. Like, You guys are so receptive. You guys are hungry, and that is just awesome. And so really, I do want to thank you. And can we just go ahead and give it up for everyone who put this service on? Thank you for all the kids, the... Every volunteer that helped put this on, this is awesome. So what we're going to talk about this evening uh, is, was anybody here on a Sunday about two weeks ago when Pastor Austin uh, spoke about hashtag left out? It was awesome. It was awesome. Is Austin here? I was just, oh, there, there is Austin. I was just hoping he would be here. You know, who appreciated Austin's message that Sunday? Was it awesome? Awesome. <laughs> It was so good. I could never say anything bad about Austin. Like, he's just the greatest person I've ever met. And if if you are laughing, you know that it's because at the 11 o'clock service, when he was speaking, he said, you know, I'm not the head pastor. I'm not even the assistant pastor. But praise God, I'm not the youth pastor. And if you don't know, me and Austin are brother-in-laws. He's awesome. He's one of my best friends. But I just, you know, I, just, I could never say anything bad about him. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm trying to keep it straight face. So he did it awesome. But anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to continue what he started uh, two weeks ago. I know Pastor Zach started or, or kept it going last week with shelter from the storm. And it was awesome. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about is hashtag I am found. So... You know, if you were here, you know, again, what Austin talked about, what Zach talked about. And I think we can all relate at some level, some degree, that we've all been left out. Um, or maybe we've been on the other end and left people out. And, you know, we talked about, you know, last week as a church, we're supposed to be a shelter from the storm for people, for the community, for uh, other church members. And so tonight, I want to continue that. Uh, this is kind of a, a passion point for myself is talking about the church and, and what role the church has in the world. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And just some backstory about what's going on is, you know, two years ago, uh, Pastor Zach and, and Austin, they had approached me as over, it's like almost three years ago. They approached me and asked me, hey, we think that you would be an awesome youth pastor. Would you want to be one? And like my personality is just to be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, don't even really think about anything. So I'm just like, yeah, let's do it. And then I realized I know nothing about being a youth pastor. And so once the stress started to see my personality, is the person likes to procrastinate things until, like, there's a due date. Anybody else like to procrastinate? Okay, so we got, like, ten honest people. That's fine. That's totally fine. Um, well, anyway, so I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, i, I got to get ready. i got to be prepared to be a youth pastor. And so I really, I just started listening to every sermon I could from Pastor Dwayne, from other pastors. And I just started getting all the information I could. And I took, like, these awesome notes, but my handwriting is horrible, so I can't read any of those notes. And, and so I actually was looking through some notes about a month ago, and I found some, and I was like, man, uh, just some of the stuff that the Lord was was downloading in me at one time when I was praying. I was like, this is good stuff. This is going to go perfect. Uh, has anybody ever heard of Pastor Stephen Furtick? Yeah, he is awesome. Uh, but he's a pastor in North Carolina. Me and him are like best friends. I'm totally kidding. I've never met the guy. I'd be cool, though. He's a cool guy. But uh, he had this sermon a few years back. I can't remember the name of it. But he talked uh, about this story and I just was remembering it uh, the other day as I was preparing this because the same thing happened to me. And I wanted to to share you the story because I think it's awesome. So uh, this pastor, he was on an airline somewhere, and uh, you know he sits next to a stranger. And like, as a pastor, like I'm a little hesitant sometimes to tell people that I'm a pastor because then they start to treat you differently. They start to like, they, they don't want to be themselves. They're like, well, I can't make this joke around him. He's going to give me that eye. I'm like, no. Anyway, so... I understand what this, what this guy's saying. So this stranger sits next to him and he's like, so what do you do for a living? He's like, well, I'm a pastor. Oh yeah, you're a pastor. You know, so you're like the head pastor. Yes, I'm the head pastor. And he was like, okay. And you know, how many people go to that church? And he was like, well, and if if you know this church, it's a big church. And he was like, well, I mean, we've got a lot of people that go to that church. And he was like, well, how many? He's like thousands. He's like, well, how many thousands? He was like, I don't know. Like over 20,000 people. And the stranger was like, wow, that's amazing. He said, why did they come? And, you know, like, I'm, I just remember thinking, you know, two years ago when I was listening to this, I was like, I wonder if that would be a hard question to ask, to ever to answer. I wonder would that be a hard question to answer? And I didn't I didn't really pay much attention. Well, about three weeks ago, I was in Opera House because it's awesome. Opera House Coffee, Amen. And uh, anyway, I was just in there, and there was another minister who who's in town who goes to a different church, and he he came over and he knows me. And he was talking to me, and he was, Hey, how's the youth program going? I'm like, It's it's going awesome. And he was like, Man, how many students attend? And I was like, Well, you know, it's it's. During the summer, it was, like, really low because everyone's at camp, and everyone's doing this, and I said, but now, like, school started back. We're in our routine, and he was like, well, how many, how many kids? I was like, well, right now we have about, like, 60, and he kind of, like, his mouth, like, dropped, and because, like, to me, that's really, that's not, like, a lot of people, and he, and he was like, well, we got 60 people that go to my church, and I was like, well, I guess that would be a lot of people, and he asked me the same question. Well, he said, how'd you get them there, and I started thinking, how did I get them there? I was like, well, it wasn't me that got them there. And, and then I was, I was thinking, I was going through it, and I started remembering, why do they come? And I started not, not just to ask the youth, why do the youth come to the youth room, but why do I come to church? Why do you come to church? What, what is it that makes you come to church? And so I want to answer that question tonight, hopefully. And I, I've been asking people that like a lot. So I've asked my life group, I asked some of our, our leaders, asked some people that I know, and I've had some really interesting answers. Uh, one of them, uh, guy was very honest. He goes, "Dude, there's a lot of pretty girls that go to church. That's where I come." Uh, that was a teenager. Just so you know that that was not that was not like an adult. Anyway, I was like, "Hey, thank you for your honesty. At least I know you're not going to lie to me." Uh, but anyway, so. There's different reasons that people come to church. And so I really I want to dive into that. I want us to understand that we're not just coming to church because we're supposed to. We're not just coming to church. Like we have a role. We have a part to play in what the church is. And I'm not talking about the four walls that we're surrounded by. We have a role. We are supposed to be like Pastor Zach talked about, a shelter from the storm. So if you would, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna dive Right into this, so um, I'm gonna. This will be fun. So we're gonna go ahead. We're just gonna jump right into uh, John one. So this is this is John one verses thirty eight. And I'm going to add, I'm gonna just tell you three different stories here, where Jesus asks a question three different times and in three different ways, but they all are saying the same thing. And I, I just I can't wait to do this. It's gonna be awesome. So anyway, this is John one verses thirty eight. <clears throat> This is uh, And so some background here. You can go back and read this for yourself. But this is uh, John the Baptist, and he's got two disciples with him. And they see Jesus walking on the shore, and he says, Hey, uh, that is the Messiah. That is Jesus. Go, and now you follow him. Okay, you go after him. And so the, the disciples go, and they start following Jesus like all day. And Jesus, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? Now, you could, I mean, I don't know how he said it. He could have been like, what do you want? Or, you know, he could have said, what like what do you want? Another translation says, what are you seeking? What is it that you're here for? What are you looking for in following me? So he says, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And they, he, they go on and they start staying with Jesus and they be a part of his ministry. And it's just awesome. And so you can go ahead and we can go to the, the next scripture, which is uh, Mark 10, verses 35 through 36. And then this is uh, James and John the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus and they said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. First of all, they're brave because uh, they walked up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, whatever we want, we want you to do it for us. Sound good? Like, I don't know what they're thinking. And But what I love is Jesus' response. Is, we want you to do whatever we ask. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And that, that is the question that I want you to think on tonight. That is what I want you to focus on. What can I do for you? That in the midst of all this, Jesus, you know, he, he could have said a lot of things, but instead he says, what can I do for you? I can tell you right now that if two guys walked up to me and said, hey Colton, uh, I want you to do whatever I want, like whatever I ask of you, I want you to do it. I'd probably be like, no. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of some people that you know, just walked up to me, hey man, whatever we want you to do, you're going to do it. Sound good? And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And then you can keep going on. They wanted to sit, sit at the right and left hand side of him in heaven. And he goes on and he's got some profound segments. If you would go to the, the next scripture is this one is awesome. I'm going to spend some time here because this one's kind of meaty. This one is, I'm going to read you the whole story. And th- this is just incredible to me. So this is uh, the story of Jesus healing uh, Bartimaeus. I hope I'm saying that right. Sounds cool. Bartimaeus, that's how I'm going to say it. So he's healing this blind man, Bartimaeus. It says, they came to Jericho. Uh, and as he was leaving, this is Jesus, with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. So this is King Jesus leaving Jericho, and he's got all of his disciples with him and a huge crowd with him pretty much as it always And then on the side of the road uh, is Bartimaeus, and he's blind, okay? It says, and when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, here's what I want to point out here is when he heard that it was Jesus, he did something. He wasn't just sitting there. Will you do me a favor and tap your neighbor and say, don't just sit there, See, in church, we're not supposed to just sit there, okay? Not just, I mean, yes, you can, I mean, you don't have to stand or anything, but like, you're not just sit there, okay? So he heard that Jesus was there, and then he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him. They were jerks, okay? They rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But that just made him cry out even more. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. I'm gonna stop right there for a second. It says, Jesus was calling him. So Jesus made the effort. He not just acknowledged it, but he called out to him. Okay? So he called out to him. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. See, whenever Jesus calls to you, we don't just sit there. We spring up, we throw off our cloak, that's not like our clothes. We we jump up with excitement and say, Man, I just heard the Father's voice. And you spring up and you come to him. And Jesus said to him, This is the, the key part, what do you want me to do for you? Everybody say, What do you want me to do for you? I loved hearing kids' voices like mess up halfway between it. That was awesome. Uh, And and the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And then uh, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. So, I mean, I feel like we've probably heard this story before. I feel like most people have probably heard of Bartimaeus or Jesus healing the blind man. And I just think this is so cool because, you know, everybody else rebuked him. Everybody else was like, Bartimaeus, stop. Stop talking. There's a huge crowd following him. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, see, this question changed my life. Now, not per se in these words, but somebody showing me this changed my life. I asked you all earlier, why do you come to church? The reason that I come to church is because somebody lived this out to me. Some, there was some people that reached out to me and said, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that I can do? See, in church, sometimes we take it casually. And I'm speaking for myself here is, you know, why do I come to church? Now granted, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I work here. So I love coming here, okay? But what if I wasn't a pastor? What if I didn't have to be here? What if, you know, just what if, what if? Uh, when I came in here, this wasn't just like my life source. I loved being around people. What is it that drives me to come to church? And now me, speaking from experience, like I said, it changed my life. But I feel like some Christians like to take it casually. You know, we, if you get, uh, I'm not being condemning here either. Now, if this, the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's awesome. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But is whenever we walk in the church, we might walk in on time, maybe, if we got up on time. And we walk in, smell that awesome coffee. We gotta have coffee, so we're gonna be late to praise and worship. And then, you know, it, we sit through service, and we just really don't feel like taking notes. You know, it's good. I'm just gonna sit and listen to to the pastor, and it's gonna be great. Go you know, in one ear and out the other. And then, and then, you know, the the end of the service comes, and and the the pastor's done speaking, and then somebody else comes up and does an altar call, but. It's time for us to go. Like, we got to get out of here because we don't want to fight traffic. Uh, We don't want to be late for lunch plans. And we treat church casually. And, again, I'm not being condemning if you do any of those things. No condemnation, okay? Holy Spirit wants to convict you. Hey, that's awesome. But uh, what I'm saying is is we sometimes treat church casually. I mean, and here I am, a young adult speaking. I'm wearing joggers and Adidas and a T-shirt on stage, okay? I get it. And I, had, and I changed shoes. I almost wore some, like, cool sinooks. They looked like flip-flops, so I didn't feel like that was appropriate. But anyway, and so, I mean, we treat it casually when church is supposed to be something holy. We're supposed to be that shelter from the storm where the question is not, is, you know, why do I come to church? But when we get to church, not, well, what, what, can, what can that pastor do for me? But what is it that you can do for somebody else What is it that you can extend a hand in and do for somebody else? Because uh, people do feel left out, even in the church. People do feel left out in your workplace. And the question is not like, well, what's that person going to do? What's that person going to do? No, what can you do for them? So I want want to share a story, uh, and I, I will warn you in just a second, there's going to be a picture of me in just a second. Um, and I will say it might be disturbing to some viewers. <laughs> uh, not really, but this is a picture of myself from, I, I just like to call it the dark ages, um, so to speak. And <laughs> you can go ahead and throw that that picture up there. Uh, it's a good time. And uh, so this is me. And I believe I was probably about 12, maybe 12. I want to say probably like 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that. And let me just tell you, this kid, hashtag left out, okay? Just left out. Uh, And for good reason. Uh, If you, you can't, that was the best picture I could find that wasn't, like, too blurry, and it's pretty blurry, but, like, the full picture, you know, I'm I'm wearing those pants that got the chains and all that stuff, and my mom's here, and she's probably like, Colton, why are you showing that picture? And, uh, you know, people used to to ask ask my mom, like, why would you let him wear that? Well, let me tell you, she knew I was going to be a pastor and use it as sermon material one day, Uh, and so, anyway, so that's what I used to look like. Again, I was hashtag left out. Uh, I was a weird kid. Uh, I am still pretty weird, by the way, but Anyway, is when I was in church, I, my mom drug me to church every Sunday. I say drug. I willingly went. Uh, but, you know, I went to church, and uh, she always made sure that I was there. Always, you know, we always listened to Joseph Prince, I remember, on, on TV when I lived at home. And so there was always something going But I can guarantee you that for most of my childhood, I never listened. I never listened. And it was, church wasn't something I wanted to go to. It was boring. I pulled out my Game Boy Advance and probably played through the whole thing. Um, every time I walked in the doors, you know, there would be people that were like, Colton, so good to see you. And I was like, please don't give me a hug. I don't want a hug. Uh, and, and that's just the way it was, if I'm just being honest. And I didn't want to be there. And, you know, there was a, there was a rough time in my life where I just, I, I needed people. I didn't need to be left out. I want to say hashtag. I just love doing that. Hashtag left out. I didn't want to be that, and I needed people. And so there's these awesome people. Their names Kevin and Brenda Brown. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met them. They're awesome. And uh, I-, I walked into the youth room one time because my sister was in youth, looking like this. Okay. Uh, when trust me, there's not a lot of people that wanted to uh, associate with me at like that time because I was scary. Like I said, good reason. And. And so I walked into this youth room, and I, I walked up to them. And the question that they asked me is, "What can we do for you? What is it that we can do for?" You? And it wasn't just a question at that point; it was a lifestyle. They used to invite me over to their house. I'd help them like clean their pool. I'd help them serve like all this stuff. They drugged me places, and we're like, "Oh, you're going here because you asked me what we could do for you. You said you wanted help. Help granted." So I worked with them. We served. Uh, they showed me how to pray. They taught me how to pray. They showed me what that Christian community was supposed to be like. They showed me the reason for church. They sho- showed me that the church isn't just four walls, but it's community. There's a, a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who's incredible. He was a theologian. He was martyred um, actually by Hitler his, his, um, um, and his uh, battalion. And anyway, he, he has a, an incredible book called Life Together. I highly recommend reading it. And he says, Christianity is community. Anything less is not Christianity. Christianity is community. And so at that point in my life, I understood. I understood what it meant that, okay, the, the church, you know, years I'd been to the church, and it wasn't, And I mean, you know, people talked to me, and they were nice. Again, like I said, I didn't want them. I kind of shunned them away. I was probably the reason for the hashtag left out for my own self. But for years, no one invaded into my life and said, you have a problem? Let's fix it. You have some. Let me walk. Let me walk you. Let me walk with you through that. And so, pretty much, I, I you know, began to to know these people really well, and uh, they pretty much signed me up for our summer internship program that our, our church does, and said like, look, we see leadership in you. You want help? Go to it. Like, you don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> so I said, cool. And so I went, and it did. It changed my life. We can take this picture away now. It's it's giving me nightmares. <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, and uh so I went and it changed my life. They really, they reached out their hand, and they showed me this is what church is about. And so I remember, we're, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. I'm sorry, that was the one I just read. Skip that. So uh, we're going to turn in Acts chapter 2, okay? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So backstory here. Day of Pentecost has happened, uh, and the church, the first church is starting to gather, and the Holy Spirit's already come upon them, and this is what the disciples and the believers did. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So this is what the people, they devoted themselves to those things. So early church did. It says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I'm gonna stop right there. I remember one time I asked some leaders, I said, hey, what does this mean? I had all things in common. Because I go to church and I don't have, like, com- I love heavy metal music. Don't nobody else like that music around me? Like, I love rap music. Nobody else likes that music around me. Like, I do not have all things in common with people. And I started just like really talking about what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And there was a lot of people that looked at me and said, I don't know what it means. <laughs> and, and there were people that said, man, those are, man, maybe it's just mysteries of God that we might not ever figure out. But here's the thing. The kingdom of God, believers, Christians, we are to be in unity. In unity. Unity together in the believer. When we can do anything when we're in one accord. And so these believers, they had all things in common. You can go to the next verse because it says it. And they were selling all their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were in one common goal. That you know what? What is mine is yours. What's yours is mine. If there's anybody that needs help, my my question to myself is, what can I do for them? What can I do for you? That it wasn't a matter of well, that's mine. I need that. That's my time. I can't. I can't devote my time to you. No, it's you know. If you have a need, I'm gonna give it. And so that's what it means to have all things to come. It's just day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, uh, and praising God and having favor with all. Having favor with all. That's important. Remember that. Uh, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, this right here, this right here is how the the people that are feeling left out, the hospitality that us as a church is supposed to be extending, this is how we do it right here. We, We don't be selfish. We don't be prideful. We don't just hoard up everything for ourselves, but it says we have favor with all people. That means we accept all people. That doesn't mean we accept sin. That means we help people out of it. That doesn't mean that we accept these problems and say, oh, yeah, you're just problems. Like, that's awesome. No, no, no. We challenge them to a much higher level. We have favor with all the people. And because of that, it says the Lord added to their number day by day. And that is why we're here not just for more numbers, but to have people that are praising God so they can do the same thing because we are of one accord. That is what the church is supposed to look like. The church is supposed to look like. I'm going to, I got time for that. So, uh, I'm going to keep reading a little bit and I am going to let you out early because I believe I received. So, um, uh, we're going to, uh, there's a story I want to, I want to share is there was, um, an older lady who would always go to our church. And I'm, I'm originally from Hugo, the Hugo location, cause it's awesome. And, uh, I'm originally from there, and like I said, I, I was there like every Sunday, like every Sunday. I, it was crazy. I was there every Sunday. And every Sunday, this awesome woman would greet me either at the doors or she'd find me later. Uh, and she, I'm, I have no relation to this woman other than that she sees me. Uh, at Sundays, and she would always like give me a big kiss on the cheek. Uh, she would give me like gifts on my birthday. And you know, as a kid, I'm like, I don't know who this lady is, but she's gonna keep giving me gifts. This is awesome. And so I didn't care. Well, then I got a teenager. I was that scary looking guy. And I was like, this lady is still giving me kisses on the cheek. Like, who is this girl? And, and I, it was so crazy. And she would come up to me every Sunday and say, Colton, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. The Lord has had you on my heart all day, and I've just been praying for you for hours. I I was thinking about you today. She'd send me letters randomly in the mail of just encouraging words, and it was so awesome, and I took all that for granted, all that for granted, and if you want me to be honest with you, I didn't even remember that until yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, thinking about the church, thinking about what we're supposed to be like, no matter if you're young or if you're older. I was thinking, man, this incredible woman doesn't, like, she, she never saw me in school. She didn't know really, probably my interest or anything like that. But for some reason, she cared so much about me to pray for me, to see me at the door, make sure she knew me by like, name, to give me a hug, tell me I'm blessed and highly favored every time she sees me, every time she sees me. And when I think about that, I almost want to cry, mainly because I'm sensitive. But, like, I, it's incredible that right there is what the church is supposed to be. It doesn't matter if, if there's some kid that's running around your aisle and he's really just like, you're like, oh man, there's this kid and he's, he's always bugging me. He wants to draw and yell. Start praying for that kid. Start praying for that kid. man. You don't know, in like 20 years, he could be giving a sermon about you. You have no idea. The church is supposed to be there to lend a hand, to pray for one another. Not, what is it that, what you know, I'm going to receive today. Yes, that's not a bad thing. You, you need to come to church expecting to receive. There's a balance. This. You need to come to church expecting to receive. God, what do you want to do in me? But also, God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do for this person? What do you want to do for that person? I, it, it, look, it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80, okay? It does not matter. It does not matter. And what's so cool about it is God loves using everyone. Everyone. There was... This is something that just the Holy Spirit reminded me of. A few years ago at camp, uh, it was kids' camp. And, you know, so we're talking like, you know, second grade through sixth grade. And I, I've, been, I've been at the camp for like six weeks at this time. I'm exhausted, okay? I don't want to be there at this point. It's the last week of kids' camp. It's been stressful. I've been putting out fires, not literal fires, but just fires all day. Uh, interns are yelling at me. They're tired too. And I'm like, man, okay. Well, anyway, the last day of kids' camp, they're going home in like 30 minutes, okay? It was like 30 minutes, we clean up, we're good, I'm gonna go rest. And I wasn't expecting anything. And this little kid, I don't know who this guy is, I talked about this about a year and a half ago, at student takeover, this kid walks up on stage, because they were kind of doing like a recap of the week, what'd you receive this week, what's the Lord saying? And this little kid, he walked up, and he said, Miss Ruth, our camp director, said, you know, what'd you get from camp this week? And he said, I don't know, but I have hope now. And he said, I did not have hope when I walked onto this campground, but I now have hope. And he had hope because teenagers, 12, 13, 14, the interns, were there and prayed with him and hugged on him whenever he said that things were not going well. They didn't care about what it looked like. They were there to extend a hand. And because of that, some little kid can go home saying, I have hope. I have a hope. That is so awesome, church. Those are things that we cannot take casually. Those are things we can't just grace by and say, oh, that's awesome. No, no, that's what we're here for, to serve people, to love on people. So I'm getting all sorts of sidetracked. But we are going to talk about David because you almost can't have a sermon where you don't talk about David. Am I right? So we're going to talk about David this is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 11. So you probably know the story, uh, but Samuel was arriving. He was looking for somebody to anoint king. He was looking for somebody to uh, anoint king. It says, and Samuel saw Eliab. If I butcher these names, it's probably going to happen. So they saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here uh, before the Lord. That's, that's what Samuel thought. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance for his uh, or his height, for I have rejected him. That's pretty harsh, first of all. Uh, the, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, that's incredible. As this guy standing in front of him, he said, Surely this dude, like this guy is a hoss. He has got to be the chosen. And so, then they said, Jesse called Abinadab dab, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jess, uh, then Jesse uh, had Shema pass, <laughs> pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Je- Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. Now, I just I can't imagine. So Jesse, he knows. Okay, he knows one of my sons is about to be anointed king. My sons. And then, like, all of the sons that he's just, like, super proud of pass by, and he's like, no, none of them. And and so uh, then he asked Jesse, Samuel, are these all of your sons? Like, do you have any more sons? And Jesse says, well, they're still the youngest, uh, but he's tending the sheep. You know, he's he's the poet. You know, he's out there. He's the... He's the music writer he's, he's not going to be king and, and this is what's awesome. Samuel said, "Send for him, we will not sit down until he arrives that's what I want you to that's what I want you to take note of there. We will not sit down until he arrives. So in other words, and so and, and like I said, so he's looking for king, he's looking for the, the next king, and like I said, he, he doesn't see who he's looking for, he doesn't see. Uh, you know, everything, I um, mean, he sees things that look good, but the Lord rejected all of them. He doesn't see what the Lord is looking for. So, you know, the father here, the great father, isn't, isn't thinking, isn't thinking that David's going to be the chosen one. Doesn't think that he's capable because he doesn't look, he doesn't look the part. He's not some strong, masculine guy. In fact, there is uh, theologians and people that study the history of this that estimate David to be anywhere from eight to 15 years old, eight to 15 years old. I mean, honestly, if you put yourself in this position, you probably wouldn't say, hey, this guy's about to be king either. And so he says, go get him and send for him, but we're not going to sit down until he arrives. There are things that are stagnant in people's lives that they're just waiting for you to show up. There are things that people need you to call out on them. But they're not going to do it until you show up. He says, send him, but we're not going to sit down. Nothing's going to be finished until you bring that guy here. Nothing's going to be good. The Lord's work isn't finished until you bring that guy here. Like I said, there are things in people's lives, in your sphere of influence, that there are things that people need you to churn up. There are things that people need you to call out blessings in their life. And they might not ever know it until you show up. You are supposed to do that. Reach that handout. Call gifts out. Don't just let things stay stagnant. Don't just let things sit down just because they don't look the part. Even though they don't look the part, again, that's why we're here. I said, why do you come to church? Some of you, the answer might have been, that might have been, well, you know, for for younger people, it might be, well, I'm here because my parents made me. It, maybe your answer is, "Well, I'm here because there's some great coffee. Amen, there is great coffee." Maybe it's, "Well, I come because the, the worship is incredible. I come because I receive from the Lord. All those are great. They really those, those are great answers. The, the answer about coming for the pretty girls, that's not the good answer. but yeah, you, you come and you're coming for the, the right reasons. But ask yourself the question, Not just, why am I here? What can I get, but what can you give? What can you, as a member of the body of Christ, give into? And so uh, some questions that I want you to meditate on, that I want you to really think about, is because once you be that that David that comes into the room, that starts saying, because here's the thing, he came into the room and he said, that's him. That's the one. Even though he didn't look it, that's the one. Listen, you can be in the same house with people and they don't, they don't even know the anointing that you have on your life. You could be you could be friends with somebody forever, but until you start calling them out, so you start challenging them to do something they've never done to step out in faith, you might not ever know. And so our job, so why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Cuz I want you to think about that. And as you go on, again, it doesn't matter if you're younger it doesn't matter if you're older. I'm not going to say an old person, but if you're older, anywhere in that, that spectrum, if you, if you have a heart that is beating and you are here, why do you come to church? And I want you to ask yourself while you're here, what can you do for someone else? As the church, for the people that are left out, for the people that are feeling broken, for the people that need it. What is it that you can do for them? And we're going to turn that from the hashtag left out to hashtag I am found. And so, amen, amen. Well, if you got anything, give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then I'm going to hand it over to Gabe, and she's going to close us out. Father, I thank you that you, Jesus, did not leave us out that you, your will for our lives is not to be left out, Father, but is to include us in everything. And so, Father, I pray that you highlight the people around us. You highlight the people around us that need that helping hand. And Father, help us to be that helping hand. Father, help us to do what Jesus did and say, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? So, Father, I pray that that is our prayer. And Jesus, we thank you for tonight, for the students and everyone who put this event on. And we thank you for the church and what we were designed and called to do. In Jesus' name, amen.